All right, I'm going to pray, so y'all please agree with me. And I mean this sincerely. The devil does not like these type of sermons, okay? Make sure all the music's off and everything. Okay, so let's go ahead and pray. So, Father, we lift this up tonight, and we come before you in Jesus' name and through the blood, and we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we hallow your name and we praise you. You alone are so awesome and holy and mighty and worthy of all praise. And, Lord, we love the word of God. We're thankful for your presence, and we love all these other, you know, worship and prayer and all that. But, Lord, we love the word, and we thank you for your word. And so, Lord, we pray tonight, as I'm going to be speaking, I'm asking you to anoint me and speak through me your words tonight, that everything will be said that needs to be said, and, Lord, that it will go forth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it will be, as Jesus taught the parable of the seed and the sower, it will be living seeds of truth, and revelation that's going to go out among the nations i pray that even right now your holy spirit will move father among those that are going to be listening to this live or they're listening to it later as a recording but the holy spirit to move upon us and give us good fertile soil of hearts and minds that by your spirit lord we'll we will be captivated to give you our best year our full attention our focus and lord that the holy spirit will help us to be able to focus our minds and our hearts to be in tune And would anoint our eyes and ears that we have eyes and ears of the spirit that we can truly see what God's showing us. We can truly hear what God is speaking to us. And Lord, let this go out and land in a good soil as those living seeds of truth watered by the Holy Spirit that will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. Lord, we ask you that the winds of the Spirit of God will blow and carry this out among the nations everywhere it needs to go tonight. And that your mighty angels will watch over it. And Lord, we ask you that as this is preached, there will be a washing of the water of the word of God to purify. Lord, that your word will be a mighty hammer that's going to break down every stronghold, every deception, every bit of traditions of men, political correctness, things that, that are like strongholds of deception that your word will shatter those strongholds tonight, that it will be a sword that's going to penetrate right to the heart of what needs to be dealt with. Lord, let this go out in power and accomplish what you sent it for to do. And we know Jesus taught us the birds of the air try to steal the seed, so we agree together as a church that anything, anything of the devil that would try to hinder this word in any way We bind you in the name of Jesus. We command you to back off and go now from this sermon, this word of God, and from those that are listening and those that need to listen, we bind the enemy in Jesus' name. Lord, let your mighty angels just go to war and clear out anything not of you, and Lord, to watch over this. And we stand on the promise that your word will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So Lord, we thank you. Let this go everywhere it needs to go and accomplish everything it needs to do. Lord, let it come. By the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, thank you all for agreeing with me. I really felt that. All right, so we're going to deal with, this isn't just going to be one sermon. I think that this is probably going to be a series of several, but we're going to start dealing with strongholds and in this culture. It, it, without getting ahead of myself too much, I just want to make a few statements. So if you and I were to go to foreign cultures right now, somewhere maybe in India, somewhere maybe out in Africa, places that the culture is just a lot different than here, and we were to be around that culture, 
it would seem strange to us just because it's so different. All right. In the same way, if the people there, they've grown up in that culture their whole life since they were a baby. So to them, that's the most normal thing in the world. But if you were to take them and put them here with us, they would find this very uncomfortable at first and think it's kind of strange. Is it something they're not used to? So I'm saying all that to say this, that there's things that we have grown up around in our culture in America. It's been there our whole lives. It's all we've ever known. And to us, it seems very normal. But in many ways, there are many things in our culture that are actually very unbiblical. But because we're so used to it being a certain way, and I'm going to tell you that unfortunately, the, the Babylonian system, which I'll explain in another sermon, but this, this culture, this world's culture, has such a reach, whether it's politically, it's in the education, it's definitely economic, it's definitely medical, but there's so many different things and it's trying to work its way into many Christian lives and into churches. And I mean to tell you, it's pretty firmly established. And a lot of people don't know because they've never had sermons preached that would cause them to think that way. Like, well, wait a second. This isn't really biblical. They've never heard a sermon preached that would stir that type of thinking in them. And so in this series I'm going to do, I'm going to try to do that by the grace of God. I'm going to preach on different things just to help people because I want to be freed up from the things of this world system. I don't want my personal economy to be wrapped and entangled and enslaved by the spirit of mammon that's in the world. I want my personal economy to be freed up and to be according to kingdom principles. But that same thing applies in so many other areas, whether it's health, it's relationships, it's, it's the order that's in the family, etc. There's so many areas. Well, tonight I'm going to deal more with the religious and not deal with those things. I'll deal with those at a later date. But I want to talk about more about the religious and how Satan is working through a religious spirit. So Matthew 12, 33, the Bible says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. But if you make a tree bad, its fruit will be bad. For the tree will be recognized by its fruit. All right? So we've got to look at the fruit of things. And many times, when you begin to look at the way the church world is as a whole, we're seeing fruit that is not powerful. And as we go through this, I believe that this will help open some eyes. But here's what's concerning to me. The fruit of many people in the church world by and large, and I'm not picking on any one group at all. I'm talking about just all throughout this nation. How many people are in churches and how many people are religious? How many people would say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but yet truthfully, they may not even know the Lord. That's bad fruit right there. There's something in the tree and something in the roots that is producing that bad fruits in the same way I see across Christianity 
We read the Bible and we see that the Lord's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Jesus' ministry, as I'm sent, I'm sending you. His ministry, he, he was healing the sick, driving out demons, and we're not seeing that by and large. Would you agree with me tonight? And so there's something wrong because the early church saw it. The early church saw healings on a regular basis and saw deliverance from the demonic. And so the first thing I want to deal with is a true new birth. And let me spend some time with this. I believe that God's got a, a move of the Spirit that's coming to River of Life. I believe that there's going to be, we use the word revival, I believe something's going to open up in the days to come. I really do. And I believe there's going to be a harvest that comes in that's just going to be a God thing. But you want to know why I believe one of the main reasons why that's going to happen? Because of this type of sermon I'm preaching tonight. This right here is what needs to be preached and what needs to be heard among many people. And I believe this revival that's coming is going to have a lot to do with this sermon tonight and, and the content going forth, okay? So what you've got to understand is the incredible importance of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the church, when Jesus came, even as I'm sent, I'm sending you, did you know Jesus would not begin his ministry until the Holy Spirit clothed him? Jesus walked and functioned. Yes, he was the Son of God, but he did not function in that office. He functioned by the Holy Spirit. He didn't just use his sonship authority. Everything he did was by the Holy Spirit. A lot of people don't really think of it that way. But when Jesus was ascending, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Therefore, you're going to be my witnesses because of the Holy Spirit upon you. The church was born on the day of Pentecost by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You got to understand, it was the Holy Spirit that birthed the church. And Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem until you're clothed with power. So Jesus himself would not begin his ministry until the Holy Spirit clothed him. And he was telling his disciples, you don't try to do it without the Holy Spirit. But how many places out there feel like we've got it figured out? We don't need the Holy Spirit. We still got a good show. That's part of the problem. And that's part of the reason why so many people are not truly born of God, which I'm going to deal with. But the early church operated in the power of the Holy Spirit and what they did was under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So it was the Spirit of God that was causing the fruitfulness. Are y'all hearing me tonight? It was the Holy Spirit. It was not charismatic personalities. It was not anybody's good looks. It wasn't the power of money either. It wasn't about the building or the facility. It was none of that. It was the Holy Spirit's anointing on those people. That was making that happen. And Philip, when he went to Samaria, he didn't put on a good show. He wasn't about how handsome he was. It wasn't about his charismatic personality. It was the power of God that came into Samaria. And people marveled at the sick being healed, at the cripples walking, as demons coming out of people with, with a shriek. And they, they marveled at what Philip was preaching, and it drew in a harvest. Isn't it interesting that that's the way Jesus functioned and that's the way the people he discipled directly functioned but yet later on 
it seems like the church world thinks that we got it figured out better than Jesus. And what's concerning to me, well, let me, let me say a few more things. So down through history, when the church got away from the Holy Spirit and the move of the Spirit, it moved into the dark ages. The gospel was snuffed out. Roman Catholicism came to power. But I want you to notice this, though. As God began to move again, it was by his Spirit that he has been restoring back to the church. Through Martin Luther... 1517, God by his spirit began to breathe again upon the gospel message. And down through the ages, you see through the great revivals with Wesley and the Cane Ridge revival, revival through Finney and Brother Nash and Azusa Street, we could go on and on. But it was like great advancement came to the kingdom of God. Listen to me, great advancement. But it was by the Holy Spirit. Nobody talked about how handsome Wesley was. Nobody talked about how great of a, a facility something like Finney was. It was never about that. It was about the Lord. His spirit came in among us. Nobody talked about Azusa Street, how beautiful that facility was. It was ugly. Let's just be honest. But people came from all over the world to Azusa because they didn't care about the building. They said God's presence is here. And because of his presence, revival broke out and spread to the ends of the earth. My point is, is that it was by the Spirit of God the church was birthed, and it's by the Spirit of God being poured out that we're seeing great advancements again. God restoring back to the church what the devil has stolen. I remember reading, and, 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 and I know from video clips and things, the great revival of the 40s and 50s, but God was restoring back through people like Oral Roberts and many others, restoring back the healing ministry that had been stolen by the devil. Restored back in the Azusa Street revival, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I could go on and on, but it's through the Spirit of God these great res restorations have taken place, and it's through the Spirit of God that great um, advancement has taken place but here's what I wanted to get to because I'm trying to show you how important the Holy Spirit is that even though that's the case and it's so biblical that people have chosen to function without the Holy Spirit whole churches whole denominations they read the word, but they're very content without the Holy Spirit moving at all in their midst. Some of them to the degree that if the Holy Spirit was to move, they would persecute him. How far things have drifted in that area. So what is some of the bad fruit that's come from this tree of doing things without the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you a quick story that Lyndall Cooley told. He said that, you know, they had heard so many stories in the Brownsville revival, just amazing things that happened in God's presence. What was Brownsville really? Brownsville really, I was there a lot. Brownsville really was just simply God settled in there with a thick, awesome presence. That's really what it was. And the world came. And harvest of souls was swept in. But again, it was by the Holy Spirit that this happened. 
But I remember Lyndall was saying something, and I, I want to share this, and this is connected also to things I've shared about Cambridge. But Lyndall said that this sweet little lady came up to him. And, she, and this wasn't that long ago. I think that this was just a few years ago that this story came to him. And this sweet little lady came up to him and said, Brother Lyndall, I wanted to tell you what happened to me at Brownsville. And he said, well, yeah, please do. You know, and she said, well, she said, I've always been in church, and if I'm not mistaken, she was Presbyterian, and she said, I'd always loved the Lord and been in church and was very religious, and she said that, um, you know, I was real faithful, I was real involved in my church, and she said that I had heard about the revival, and I'd heard, you know, some people told me I should go, and so she showed up, and I think this was before the lines were too long, and she was just able to kind of come in. And she got a bulletin and she simply went up and there was a seat open up toward the front. And so she sat down and she was looking at her bulletin and they just started to do worship. So Lyndall starts to play and sing and she said, the next thing she knows, she said, the next thing I knew, she said, I was just on the ground. She said, I don't know how it happened, but she said, I was on the ground. And she said, I came to. And she said it wasn't just a few minutes. She said that, that Brother Steve had already given the altar call. Apparently, I was there the whole service. And she said, I'd never had anything like that happen to me. But she, and, and Melinda said, well, what, what was the result of this? You know, that's great, but you know, what happened? She said, let me tell you. She said, um, you know, I'd always been religious. And I'd always been somebody that was involved. But she said, now everything changed. She said, when I went back after that, she said, now I was really in love with the Lord and I felt close to the Lord. And she said, my prayer life, she said, I really began to go deep in my prayer life and spend time in his presence. She said, I never had anything like that before, like relational. See, that can only happen by the Holy Spirit. And that's what basically happened at Cane Ridge. The Holy Spirit just came down. People came that were Presbyterian, Methodist, and Baptist. This was before there was Pentecostal denominations. But people came there. The Holy Spirit fell so hard. And people by the hundreds and even by the thousands were being thrown to the ground. It was like a Saul on the road to Damascus experience. I mean, they were just collapsing just like Saul did off his donkey in the presence of the Lord. But see, many of those people that came to Cambridge, they were religious. If you were to ask them, well, are you a Christian? They'd say, well, sure. But it was just religion. But when they were on the ground, they were having an encounter with God, and the reports were this. People that were there said that they would hear them on the ground, and they would kind of come to, and they would be saying, Jesus, forgive me, forgive me, save me, forgive me. And then they'd go back out. And when they got up from the ground, they were born again. They were a new creation in God. That is by the Spirit of God. I'm not saying you have to fall down to have that happen at all. But it, I will say this. You cannot be born again but by the Spirit. It is not a work of flesh. See, that right there is number one poison fruit. And let me tell you, this is serious what I'm talking about because what I'm talking about is going to send literally thousands maybe hundreds of thousands maybe even millions of people to hell because they're just religious but they don't know the lord
They go to church and they know about him, but they are not born of God. That's what happened that little lady that was talking to Lyndall. She was religious. And in her mind, she loved the Lord in that respect, but she was not born of God and she did not have a relationship. See, this flies in the face of Americanized Christianity. Because they want to get rid of the Holy Spirit, here's what has happened. Well, now without the Holy Ghost, now we've got to come up with all kinds of man's doctrines to make an excuse for our powerlessness and our fake Christianity many times. So here's the doctrine. If you'll just come down and kneel and you'll repeat this prayer, you'll go to heaven when you die. Friend, that is not biblical. The way people are going to come into the kingdom is by being born again. Being born of God. And I believe God's about to give us river of life, a move of the Spirit. And it's going to open up. And this is what it's going to be about. Because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be born again in what's about to happen. There are many people out there, and I say this with a heavy heart, but they're just tares among the wheat. A tear looks exactly like wheat, but it's not wheat. It does not have the grain on it. It is just basically a weed, but it looks like wheat. How many people do we have among us that look like Christians and they know how to act, they know the lingo, they know the do's and don'ts, and they know the scriptures, but they're not born of God? They haven't had a spiritual DNA change. They know about him, but they don't know him. And I remember that was when I met with Steve Hill and talked to him. And it, when we first got to know each other and he spent time with me. You know, here I was. I've been a Christian for years. But I remember him asking me, Are you, do you know the Lord? I said, yeah, I do. And he said, well, what's he been speaking to you lately? He was prodding me. He wanted to know if I had a relationship. He wasn't interested if I was religious and goes to church. He wanted to know, do you really know him? And I said, well, since you asked and got a little personal with it, and I started telling him, and he just kind of laughed and said, all right, I got you, you know. But I was at a meeting the other day. I want, I want to show you something here tonight. I was at a meeting the other day about prayer, and it was a corporate thing, and different churches were coming together. It was great. and I was sitting at a... a a table with other people that were involved and some of them were ministers and I, there was a man of God there a pastor and he began to talk about this and he was saying that there is a particular college campus in Dallas that has allowed this where Christian ministers can come in and it's like a public forum and it's a debate and he said that ministers have been going in there and debating atheists in this scenario and people can watch publicly. And he made this statement that he was, he was totally shocked and couldn't believe it. And he's probably more shocked that I, I was sitting there like, yeah, I believe it. But he said, that, he said that out of six years, six years of this happening, he said there's not been one single person come to know Jesus. And he looked at me and I was like, yeah. I wouldn't think they would. Because you're not going to win people by intellectually debating them. That does not save souls. 
It just gets on everybody's nerves. And not only that, it stirs up all kinds of strife and tension, does it not? Let me tell you something. See, when you don't have the Holy Spirit moving, what you have is a religious spirit that will come in. And I'm talking about a real spirit. This is a real being. A religious spirit will come in and will counterfeit the Holy Spirit. And that religious spirit will be at work. And that's what's going on in these, a lot of times in debates, a religious spirit has to do with unrighteous judgment, criticism, fault finding. It's behind a lot of the divisions in churches, the gossip and things. It's very legalistic. But it, what it does is it will, the religious spirit will do anything it can to get people off of the Lord's being born again and the relationship. It will get them on to do's and don'ts, go to church, be a good person, be religious, learn the scriptures, all these different things. It'll have them dancing all around what they actually need, and they'll feel good in their religion. This religious spirit will do everything it can to keep them off of the actual pure gospel. And there was another lady at the table that said, well... It's all about love, though, in a love relationship. And I was like, that's just emotional. If you get people to come down and accept the Lord out of intellect or emotion, I promise you it won't last. This is how, these are church leaders. I'm just, this is how inundated this is in our culture. Americanized Christianity. And this same guy is a wonderful man of God, actually, and he's a great he loves the Lord and he's trying to witness but I could tell just by listening to him he talks to people but he's trying to convince them intellectually to accept the Lord you're going to live frustrated and also people that are trying to win people over emotionally friendship evangelism trying to just kind of love them like they are and all that. and that's important it's important to love people but emotionally is not being born again that's just being emotional how many times have we seen people come down and they'll weep and they'll bawl and god will touch them and all that stuff it's very emotional but yet they end up falling away later we've all seen that there was a great move of god that broke out not that long ago out on our east coast in the Appalachian Mountain areas. And I remember that because the Holy Spirit was moving so powerfully that there were many people accepting the Lord. And in that context, they were interviewing some of the young people and one guy was just simply making this statement. But I remember being so grieved by this statement because I knew, I was like, oh man. He said, well, he said, it's become kind of the cool thing to accept Christ because everybody's doing it. And I remember kind of feeling bad for him and thinking to myself, well, what about whenever it's not the cool thing anymore and real Christianity sets in that has persecution, are you going to last? Amen? See, that right there, when somebody is truly born of God, persecution will just make them stronger. And when they're really born of God, it's not going to be just some intellectual thing. And it's not going to be just some emotional thing. It's a spiritual thing. In many places, we've made Christianity into some kind of little prayer 
a set of beliefs. Well, if you believe like we do, the Bible says that the devils, the demons believe and tremble. We've made many times salvation about church attendance or about do this and don't do that. And all those things have their place. But you can tell people, well, you need to start doing this and you need to stop doing that and they might stop doing the things they need to stop doing, but that doesn't mean they're going to be in heaven. Because you don't get into heaven based on your good works. You don't get into heaven based on your set of beliefs. You get into heaven by being born of God. And it is a spiritual thing. So be careful as you witness to people. Be careful how you present the gospel. Don't bring an Americanized gospel. Give them the pure gospel. And just in my notes here, mentally agreeing or emotional decisions will not save people and it won't last. Saying a prayer or joining a church will not save you. Doing good works or not doing bad things won't save you. It's got to be a new birth. How many times did we hear it at Brownsville? Steve Hill up there say things like this. You can go to hell tonight with baptismal water still dripping off your face. You can go to hell holding a hymnal and wearing a church choir robe. And he would say religion is not going to save you. It's going to be being washed in the blood of Jesus. So here's what people are going to have to do. They've got to be willing to turn from their sin, but they've got to look to the cross. Put their faith in what Jesus did for them. Put their faith in his death and his resurrection. When they look to the cross, then the Holy Spirit can come into them and they can be born again. But it's going to be that. It's going to be a Holy Spirit thing. Do you see the importance of the Holy Spirit? You cannot even get born again without the Holy Spirit. And that's step number one. The Bible says, Jesus said, no man can come except the Father draw him. And the Father draws people by the Holy Spirit. And the blood of Jesus, when you accept him, the blood of Jesus will wash away all that pollution, all the sin, all the evil. God will forgive you and wash you. But the Holy Spirit must come in to dwell. The great enemy of the Holy Spirit is the religious spirit. And let me say this about the Antichrist spirit. is not just against Christ, but the word Antichrist in the Greek implies like a counterfeit Christ. Or instead of. So the Antichrist spirit is very religious and will give you a lot of instead ofs. And look at what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit because this really grieves me because here's what happens sometimes. People accept Christ as their Savior and the wrong people get a hold of them. And next thing you know, they've been indoctrinated against the Holy Spirit, against the gifts, and it's the wrong people, man, has worked in them some kind of a religious spirit, a religious false doctrine. And next thing you know, now they become like an enemy of the Holy Spirit. 
and God will begin to pour out his spirit somewhere and all these people that are that are just got a religious spirit about them they'll look at their air down their arrogant nose at a move of God and they'll mock it they'll mock tongues and let me just tell you what Jesus said in Matthew 12 32 this is not my opinion this is not out of an encyclopedia this is the words of Jesus Christ not even an apostle this is the Lord there's so some people out there that call themselves Christians okay Jesus said in Matthew 12 32 anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come so let me say this in love but you better watch your religious mouth because your religious Pharisee mouth may end up costing you an eternity in hell one day you better be careful laying your mouth against the Holy Ghost because God won't forgive it we might forgive it but God won't and let me tell you some things about the Holy Spirit it takes the Holy Spirit to draw people unto salvation it takes the Holy Spirit to convict people of sin and to help them understand they need a savior you understand I say this sometimes and people have laughed and it, to me it's I'm, I don't think it's fun it's listen people walking down the street down here on Broadway Street or first street they're not going to be walking down the street tonight and just all of a sudden just say to themselves you know gee I need to get right with God I need to just repent of my sin that's never going to happen you know what's going to happen there's a praying grandma somewhere there's somebody out there in a church that's their youth pastor that's praying for them somebody's praying and so because of somebody's prayers the Holy Spirit begins to move on that person and that person's walking down the street and the Spirit of God begins to move on them and then they realize man I do need to get right with God But it takes the Holy Spirit. If you take him out of the equation, you're going to have to resort to all kinds of men's tactics and methods. But still, at the end of the day, it will never really be bearing great fruit for the Lord. It takes the Holy Spirit to enter someone and cause a new birth. Nobody can be born of God but by the Holy Spirit. It cannot happen just because you join a church or you get water baptized. It's going to have to be the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit to seal people off. It takes the Holy Spirit to sanctify them and change them. You know why many people, we've got some crazy doctrines out there that basically tell people they can live however they want and still go to heaven. You know where that comes from? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit moving in their midst to convict people and change people. And so people are living like a bunch of heathens. And so now they've got to make up some kind of doctrine that goes along with their current situation. But if they would have the Holy Spirit moving in their midst, the Holy Spirit of God would convict and he would change people. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and you're truly born of God, you know it and I know it, you're not going to be able to get away with a lot of stuff. The Holy Spirit's very patient, but he will convict you And he'll make you miserable. You know why? Because he loves you. And he doesn't want you in hell. He'll work on you. And you cannot get away with things. The Holy Spirit, he'll stay on you. 
until you repent. But see, that's the work of the Holy Spirit doing that. Without the Holy Spirit, somebody would continue in sin and they'd be fine with it. The Holy Spirit is the one who will do that deep cleansing in us. He'll change our desires. He'll begin to take out the old sinful desires, that old sinful nature, and begin to crucify us. And let me tell you something. I want to tell you something you probably have never heard or thought of before, but I want you to look this way and get off the notes. The harder you try, the worse it's going to get. Let me explain this principle because you need to understand this. This is the law of um, in the Bible, where the you remember the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7, I believe, that the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. But the things I do want to do, I don't do. And I find this law at work in my members. The sinful nature. See, let me put it this way. The harder that you try in the flesh to please God, the law is going to be at work in that area against you. But the more that you lay it all down, Lord, let me be crucified with you, let the Holy Spirit live through me, the easier it will become to overcome. Does that make sense? Because that's life-changing for some people. Because some people, because of a religious spirit, they keep feeling like I've got to do this and not do this. And they keep trying and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. And they keep stumbling and they keep stumbling because they're trying to do it in their own flesh. It's just religion. But whenever they say, Lord, forgive me, let me be crucified with you. That it's no longer I who live, but the Spirit of God come live through me and help me to overcome. Then they're going to have the grace to overcome. This is a very important lesson in the Word of God. But see, that's by the Spirit of God. And people that's had a religious spirit about them, that don't make any sense. Because to them, it's always ju just been about do this and don't do that. We've got to get beyond just that. There's a place for do's and don'ts, but it's by the Spirit. Because how many knows that without the Holy Spirit, you're going to fall flat on your face anyway? It takes the Holy Spirit to teach people the Bible. You cannot understand the word without the Holy Spirit helping you. It takes the Holy Spirit to give us boldness and effectiveness in witnessing. It takes the Holy Spirit to have a New Testament church. And it takes the Holy Spirit to make us fruitful for the Lord and effective. Without Him, it's just going to be us doing it in the flesh. And that's what, unfortunately, I think many times is going on. That basically, we've taken, in a lot of places, the same thing as Alcoholics Anonymous, and we simply just pulled a few things out and put a bunch of scriptures in, slapped a new label on it, and we brought it in and put it in churches as programs, as step one, two, and three to overcome. And we've got all these programs and programs on top of more programs. But if they would have the Holy Spirit moving in their midst, People would be delivered from the bondage they're in. People would receive the inner healing they need. And people would begin to live a sanctified, overcoming life because it is clear in the Word of God that it is by the Spirit that these things happen. But instead, we've got a man-controlled, program-run, motivational speeches from the pulpit, a social club, an entertainment called worship, 
all in some kind of effort to get more people coming, what good's it going to do in the end if the overwhelming majority of them never truly get born of God and end up in hell anyway because all they ever heard was some kind of motivational speech about how good they are and all they ever saw was entertainment and all they ever experienced was an emotional experience of a social club and feeling accepted. What good's it going to do in the end if they perish? All you're doing is putting a band-aid on it. But if you would start asking the Holy Spirit to come, he's going to begin to clean house. And I'll tell you what, there's going to be some people that are not the real deal and they don't want the real deal that'll leave. Let them go. Jesus let them go. The early church let them go. Let them go. Quit making it all about numbers and start making it about this. Lord, how can we please you? How can it be biblical? The Holy Spirit is the one who will bring the relationship. So many people out there because of religion and a religious spirit. And remember, I said this before. When I'm talking about a religious spirit, I'm not talking about just a mindset. I'm not talking about a group of people here. I'm talking about a real demonic force that's very real. See, Satan knows that he can't really do anything about once people accept Christ, but what he can do is he can have a whole class of spirits that operate and function in the way of religion that will give people a counterfeit, that will distract people, that will oppress people and hinder them. And because of a religious spirit, so many people out there think that a relationship, everybody say relationship, has to do with just saying a prayer to accept the Lord and then reading God's book. I love the Bible. I study the Word. But how many here would have a successful marriage if the only thing you did was say, I do at the altar, and then you read an email from them daily? You know as well as I do that that's the truth. That's religion. That's knowing about the Lord, but it's not really knowing him. And that's what Steve Hill was trying to get to with me. Oh, really? Well, what's he been saying to you? So I'm going to ask the same question Brother Steve did. If you really know Jesus, and those of you watching this, and you say, I really know the Lord, okay, then what's he been speaking to you lately? If you cannot answer that question then there's a good possibility that you don't have a living, true relationship with him. And instead of getting mad at me for telling you the truth, you ought to get mad at the religious spirit that's had you deceived all these years. A religious spirit is totally fine with people coming to church and totally fine with all the religious activities we got going on. But as soon as the pure gospel gets preached, it's going to stir up religious spirits. And when the Holy Spirit... You know why the religious spirit hates the Holy Spirit so much? There's whole groups of people that hate the Holy Spirit. They hate tongues. They hate the gifts. They can't stand it. They can't stand that people would fall down. They can't stand demonstrations of the Holy Spirit's power. Somebody will get up and talk about how God healed them. They can't stand it. You know why the religious spirit hates that? Because he knows that if the Holy Spirit ever really shows up, all these people are going to get free from him. They're going to get free from his control. 
So the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the Apostle Paul said that may the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Fellowship is koinonia, and it implies intimacy. The Apostle Paul understood the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Your prayer life is going to be very challenging without the Holy Spirit. That's why so many people, it's just religion. You know, they have in certain religions, they have something like called a prayer wheel. <laughs> and they'll go and they'll put their little prayer request and they'll just spin the wheel. And as many times as it spins, supposedly their prayer's going up to their God or whatever. You know, the thing is that there's so many people out there that they're just going through the motions. They say token prayers, but they feel God's very distant. They don't sense his nearness. They don't have a relationship. And see, the Holy Spirit is the one that will not only cause you to be born again, but also it is the Holy Spirit is the one that will help us have a strong prayer life because it is his presence and his fellowship. I've said this many times, but this is so true. Where is God the Father right now in heaven, the third heaven? Where is Jesus right now at the right hand of the Father? Who is it that's here tonight with us in this place? The Holy Spirit. So I think it's advantageous for all of us to get to know the one who's in the room right now. See, the Holy Spirit, he is just as much God as the Father or the Son. He's just as much God. He is a person, and he's the one that when you pray, he's the one that's talking to you. He's the one that, that is... Um, releasing the presence, releasing a fresh anointing. He's the one that's giving you a scripture or helping you understand the scriptures. So when you spend time in prayer and you're, you're reading the word, but you're also fellowshipping, you're talking to the Lord, it's really the Holy Spirit who's speaking back to you. It's the Holy Spirit who gives dreams and visions. And tonight when we pray for people, it's the Holy Spirit that's touching you. It's the Holy Spirit that anoints and electrifies the worship. It's the Holy Spirit that anoints the sermon so it can go forth and hit where it needs to hit. You know, I've heard people say to me before, I've had this happen multiple times, but somebody said, man, when you said this, it really dealt, and I never said that. I never said that. But God the Holy Spirit said it to them. See, I'm up here preaching, but God the Holy Spirit is doing things I could never do if my life depended on it. But it's the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, if you want to know one of the best passages to read about the Holy Spirit, read John 14, because Jesus himself, as I know I'm dealing with some religious people out Listen, if you're a Christian, and I believe some of you believe you really are and all that, then, then I trust that you want to know what Jesus Christ taught. Jesus said, I'm going away, but I will send you a comforter. And when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will show you things to come. He will take things that I've taught you, and he'll help you understand them. Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, that he's leaving. And they felt really upset at the Lord's departure. But he said, don't worry about it. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He will be in you. He will be with you. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will be with you always. How is the Lord with us? By his spirit. In Acts 15, the early church, these are church leaders back then. God help us today, man. We need church leaders like this now. But the church leaders back then in Acts 15, whenever it came time for the gospel to break out of Jerusalem and go out to the nations, because Jesus told them, it will begin in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, to the ends. They knew. And so now once Cornelius' house, the gospel broke out there among the Gentiles, started spreading, they said, well, we need to give some advice. And what they wrote about in Acts 15, they said, well, it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit that we only, that you only have to do this, this, and this, and this. But they consulted the Holy Spirit. What would it be like today if church leaders and, and denominational leaders would really sincerely consult the Holy Spirit? Leonard Ravenhill said this. I'll never forget it. He said, man, he was talking about a particular Pentecostal denomination that basically there were multiple ones that came out of Azusa Street, but this is one of the ones that came out of Azusa. And he said that, you know, he said that this particular denomination is all over the world, but he said, by and large, they've lost the presence of God a long time ago. He said what the leaders of this denomination need to do is they need to send a message to all the pastors and say you're canceling Sunday service next week. We're calling for a corporate time of prayer and fasting to get on your face before God and ask his forgiveness for us doing things our way without the Holy Spirit and ask him, Lord, please send the Holy Spirit back into our midst. Please let the glory come back to the church. I wish that they would have listened to Leonard. But they keep going on with their dead religion. And I'm talking about Pentecostal churches too. I grew up in that. I saw Pentecostal leaders and Pentecostal churches reject revival. I saw it with my own eyes. I still have a hard time believing it. It was 20 years ago. A life that's crucified with Christ... You know, we talk about that, being crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ living through me. Don't you think about the Apostle Paul? I said this last week, but the Apostle Paul gave up being married. He gave up marriage. He gave up having children. And he gave up his, his religious career, which would have been phenomenal. You have to understand, he would have been one of the great rabbis of his time. There's no doubt. He gave all that up. Fame, as a great rabbi, he would have been extremely wealthy. He gave up his fame. He gave up his notoriety. He gave up all that wealth he could have had. He gave up having a family. He gave up everything, laid it all down. And what did he do? He went from place to place preaching the gospel knowing that he very well could be beaten, put in prison. They could take him, drag him out in stone and kill him. He lived a crucified life in Christ. He was truly dead to himself what he wanted. His dreams, his aspirations, everything that Paul wanted died. But let me tell you something. There is no way that that is humanly possible without the Holy Spirit. 
You can't do that. We're all way too selfish in our own humanity, in our own sinful nature. It takes the Holy Spirit helping us to die like that. And then the Holy Spirit will come live through us a life that we could never live. People get so frustrated. How can I overcome this sin? How can I die to this? How can I get victory in this area? It's going to be by the Holy Spirit. So in other words, a crucified life can only come by the Holy Spirit helping us with that. Having a rich, powerful prayer life can only come by the Holy Spirit. Trust me. If you don't believe me, go in the next day and say, you know, Holy Spirit, just stay really far away and I'm going to pray without you and see what happens. You'll be there five minutes. And you'll be so bored. But when the Holy Spirit comes, you can be there for hours and forget that it's been hours. It's only by the Holy Spirit that you're really going to know the word. How many religious people think they know the word, but some of the goofy things they believe and teach, they believe, some of them believe that God doesn't heal anymore, God doesn't, the gifts aren't in operation anymore. Man, that takes the total absence of the Holy Spirit and some kind of a religious spirit coming in to believe that type of garbage. But they believe it. It's going to take the Holy Spirit to help us be ready when the Lord comes to catch us away as a thief in the night. You and I in these latter days are not going to be able to live the victorious life and to be the purified bride on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to do it. See, the Bible says, here's three things real quick. I believe that these are examples for us. How are we going to be ready when Jesus splits that eastern sky? It's going to be like the blink of an eye. There's some kind of a shofar blast to shout, we're gone. How in the world are we going to be ready for that uh, suddenly? It's going to have to be the Holy Spirit. But here's three examples. Noah was a righteous man in a very wicked generation. And interesting, we're going to have a Bible study about Noah next week. But Noah lived in a very wicked generation, but he lived a righteous life. And when the wrath of God came down, Noah and his family were sealed off and lifted up. And when the wrath of God subsided, they came back down again. It's a picture and type of the rapture. But here's the thing. Noah was righteous. We are going to have to live a righteous life even in this wicked generation that we live. If we're going to be ready for the coming of the Lord. He's coming for a bride without spot or blemish. But the only way that we're really going to be able to live righteously is by the Spirit of God helping us and empowering us. Number two, Enoch, he walked with God. He was a man of prayer. Jesus kept warning, watch and pray. You don't know the hour. Watch and pray. Make sure that you watch and pray. Jesus has warned us. We've all heard it. Are we going to hear him and really do it? So Enoch was a man that walked with God. He was a man of prayer. And because of that, one day, the Lord just snatched him away, raptured him away. And that was right before the flood time frame. So we're going to have to be a people of prayer. Number one, we're going to have to live righteous. Number two, we're going to have to be a people of prayer. But how can we be a people of prayer? The Holy Spirit is going to have to help us. Number three, Elijah. 
Elijah was a man that was on fire. He burned for God. He was a prophetic voice. But he lived in extremely wicked times. Jezebel was ruling the nation at that time. But Elijah also was a man who did not see death. He was snatched away. It's a picture and type with Noah, Enoch, and Elijah. It's a picture and type of those that are going to be raptured. So what is the, the message here about Elijah? He was a man of extra oil. The Bible said in Matthew 25 that there were ten virgins. All ten were virgins. All ten are God's people here. Not five harlots, five virgins. All ten. But only five were wise and were ready when the Lord came. And what was the difference? They had extra oil. So you know what God's doing in these last days? He said he'd pour out his spirit on all flesh. God is going to be pouring out his spirit in an awesome way. And he's going to be so saturating us with his spirit. And those of us that will embrace that and will be wise virgins with extra oil are going to be ready like Elijah. But that can only happen by the Holy Spirit. So let me give you two more things as I close out. Biblical Christianity. I'm just going to read through these. See, I'm trying to preach in a way through this series to stir things up and to stir people to think about this. Things should be different. See, people get saved. They go to some particular church. And it's all they've ever known. They think, well, this is just the way it is. Wrong. We need to get back in the word and say, what does the word say it's supposed to be like? We're supposed to be seeing signs and wonders. We're supposed to be seeing healings and deliverances and revival and things happening and, and gifts of the Spirit in operation. If you're not seeing that, I love everybody, but if you're not seeing that, you're not truly a New Testament church. And you know what the problem is? The absence of the Holy Spirit. If he would be welcomed back, all those things would start happening again. So let me give you some things about biblical Christianity. Biblical book of Acts Christianity was a glory culture. God's manifest presence was in their midst. Number two, they worshiped in spirit and in truth. It's like tonight. We get up here and we start playing some music and singing, but nobody seems to really care too much about us, which is exactly what I want. People are caught up looking upward. They worship in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit also in tongues, but just getting caught up enraptured in worship heart worship to the Lord it's not entertainment it's not about any of these other things the focus is this way I say the phrase many times let us be totally invisible up here get your eyes on the Lord also the early church was a place where the gifts of the Holy Spirit including tongues were in operation and people loved it they embraced it they embraced tongues The next one, the power of God in healings and deliverances. I mean, to the degree that Peter's, even Peter's shadow, people were getting healed as his shadow went by. I mean, there were so many healings, so many miracles, so many people delivered from demonic spirits. This was just common. Prayer and witnessing were common. And this is the thing, the religious spirit wants to make sure these two things don't happen. Every pastor knows that in most places, if you call a prayer meeting, you can ask a thousand people come, you'll probably have five. And you ask people, let's get together and go witness, and you have the same results. But see, the early church, they had powerful prayer meetings. To the degree, the Bible says that even at one time, a place where they were meeting 
shook like an earthquake. It shook by the power of God. Now that's a prayer meeting. I felt that on the floor. I felt like a rumbling. But um, as long as it wouldn't cause some kind of major structural damage. <laughs> I would love for God just to shake. You imagine some of the neighbors around here. What is going on here? And do it again, Lord. Do it again. But if you break something, give us the money and help us out. <laughs> Another thing that was very common in the early church was the Hebrew culture. See, the early church understood that it was out of the, the Hebrew roots that Christianity came out of the soil of the Hebrew faith. Man, look at what the religious spirit has done. There's such an a anti-Semitic spirit in a lot of places. It's demonic. And finally, the understanding that the Old Testament was fulfilled in Christ. There's places that preach now just to basically rip it out of your Bible and throw it in the trash. But that's not biblical. So these are some things the early church had. God's presence, worship in the spirit, the gifts, healings and deliverances, powerful prayer meetings, powerful witnessing and evangelism was powerful. But they also understood the Hebrew culture and they understood how Christ fulfilled everything that the law and the prophets spoke of. So let me close out by giving you three safeguards, which you hear me say all the time. But I want to read 2 Timothy 3. I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation. I heard a minister read this, and I thought, man, I need to get this to the people. Listen to 2 Timothy 3, talking about the end times in this particular translation. You always have to look this way because it's not in your notes, okay? It's 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. But in the Passion Translation, it says this, You need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. Let me just stop there and say, it's already here in America, and you need to be ready for persecution. Because right now, just to stand with God and honor God there's a large group of people out there that will persecute you. You can say and, and sincerely mean it. That you know, hey, I really love homosexual people. I want them to come to know Jesus. I love them. But if you say, I'm still going to stand with God. And I'm going to stand with God's word. That it's wrong. You're going to be persecuted by a group of people out there. And all you're doing is honoring God. See, that's in the culture now. And the Bible talks about that Antichrist spirit in these latter days. That's another sermon. I will get into this, by the way. But it says, In the last days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. We're seeing that, even in America, which is a Judeo-Christian heritage. Verse 2, People will become self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. Man, we see that today. You see people all over social media that are so vain and stuck on themselves, just one selfie after the next. I'm not trying to be funny. They are stuck on themselves. I'm thinking to myself, dear God, I don't want to see another selfie of you, man. <laughs> They're arrogant. It's lovers of themselves, lovers of money, obsessed with making money. They will boast of great things, and they, listen to this, they will boast of great things and strut around in their arrogant pride, mocking all that's right. I think about these people running around 
and they're they're little speedos and and then garbage that they are in some of these these parades and they're going around and they're mocking everything of god they'll dress in a way they'll write things on their chest they'll write things on sign and their their signs and they're blaspheming and mocking god and the things of god they will mock all that's right they will ignore their own families think about abortion they're willing to murder innocent babies just for their own convenience they will be ungrateful and ungodly they will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander social media is a cesspool of this right here people hide behind a computer but you you just out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks right it's just there must be something in there that's pretty disgusting because you see all kinds of filth just being coming out of people slaves to their own desires they will become ferocious belligerent haters of what is good and right with brutal treachery they will act without restraint bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their own conceit they will find delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of a loving god they may pretend to have a respect for god but in reality they want nothing to do with god's power in other words they want nothing to do with the real holy spirit stay away from such people like these for they are the ones who worm their way into the hearts of vulnerable women spending the night with those who are captured by their lust and steeped in sin they're always learning but never discovering the revelation knowledge of truth they're always learning but they don't know the real truth history has given us an example of this with the egyptian sorcerers janus and jambres who stood against moses in their arrogance so it will be in the last days with those who reject the faith with their corrupt minds and their arrogant hearts standing against the truth of god but they will not advance for everyone will see their madness just as they did with janus and jambres we're living in those times and that's that's the thing that shocked me just seeing just here recently people may hear this from years from now and, and long forgotten what just happened with um, with judge Kavanaugh but I saw somebody for political purposes get run through the mud and to think that people could sit there and do what they were doing to him and his family and have no remorse I don't think those people felt bad they're they're so arrogant and so hard-hearted and there's they fit the description of this right here so much that they can do that to another human being and not even feel bad my god so here's the here's what i want to close with these three things you will have to study to show yourself approved rightly dividing god's word you better know the word for yourself number two you better learn to pray and have a strong prayer life get to know the holy spirit for yourself and number three you better make sure that you're going somewhere to the right church where you're going to hear the truth because there's going to be places that are preaching a strange doctrine in these last days there's places now that are ordaining homosexual leaders that the practice of abortion is fine amongst many other things in the congregants that's not a place you need to be going you need to go somewhere where you're going to hear the truth and the bible is going to be lived out okay so lord we thank you for your word tonight we thank you for the power of the gospel 
The Bible says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And the Holy Spirit will anoint and empower the gospel. The Bible says that the Lord will confirm his word with signs following. So Lord, we ask you to confirm this word tonight and empower it. And Lord, we thank you. Let it go out and accomplish what it needs to do. And there may be people that are hearing this. That they may have been in church for many years. They may go to Bible studies. They may be very religious. But the truth of the matter is, they've never really been born of God. They don't really have the Holy Spirit living in them. And Lord, I pray for those people to truly come to know you, Jesus. That they will look to the cross. And that, Lord Jesus, you would save them. Lord, that you would let them be born again. Let them be a new creation. Let their hearts become circumcised. Let the old pass away and the new come. Let there be an imputed righteousness in them that they can live holy. Lord, draw them unto you and grant true repentance and eternal life. That can only come by the Holy Spirit in people. But Lord, we ask you to do this by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.